0: Hello. Welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church, Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it.
1: Uh, It's just an honor to be with you as we continue our our journey through John. We're going into John chapter 12 today, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to go ahead and read the passage. We're going to dive right in. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served. And Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray Jesus, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now he said this, not because he cared about the poor. See, this is a good question. We're going to talk a little bit later about how expensive this ointment was. This is a question any of us could ask. That money could have spent a lot of different ways. Why not spend it and give it to the poor? It was a good question, but John tells us that's not the issue here. (laughs) See, Judas said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. That's a little, it's a little confusing. It can be a little confusing the way that's worded. Uh, another alternate way to, to word that is this. An alternate translation would be, Jesus said, leave her alone. She intended to keep it for the day of my burial. And, and he says, the time is now. <laughs> She's been keeping this for a special occasion, and the time is now. For the poor you have with you, but you don't always have me. So Judas, you love the poor? You want to give to the poor? Go ahead. you got them with you all the time. This is a special opportunity for her to give to me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there at this dinner, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And so we end here. And if you were with us last week, uh, we continue kind of in where we were at last week. Last week, Phil walked us through the end of chapter 11. And in that passage, we, we saw some of the fallout. We saw some of the aftermath of this incredible miracle that Jesus did of raising Lazarus from the dead. And the aftermath, part of the aftermath we saw was this, that that Jesus' work in person has an effect, has different effects on people. And and one thing Phil let us know last week was that the work of Jesus Christ will attract some and it will distance others. And that's what we're seeing right here as as people put on a dinner and celebrate the miracle that Jesus has done, as people uh, see Lazarus walking around alive, they respond with belief. And then there's other people that turn around and say, well, we'd, we'll just kill Lazarus, as if that would work. <laughs> Jesus can just raise him again. What are you going to do? But, but see, the, the same is true in our lives. Phil talked to us about this last week, but the same is true in our lives as we begin to tell the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. And in fact, just us walking around As people that are transformed into greater and greater, ever-increasing glory. That's what Paul says. We're transformed into ever-increasing glory, glory upon glory. As we walk as transformed people and continue to be conformed to the image of Christ, there's people that are going to react to us in astounding ways. We we forget that sometimes walking through our day-to-day life. There's going to be people that have really strong reactions. Some of them are going to be driven to belief in Jesus Christ, and some of them may want to kill us. <laughs> or at least cancel us. That's happened a lot in our culture. But but don't forget, if canceling is all this higher the stakes are right here in America, there's there's a lot of other places in the world that the stakes are a whole lot higher. But that really is the stakes. People either believe or they want to kill you. And so so let's not be surprised when people react strongly to us. But th- Here's the question I think John is putting before us in this passage is there's these two groups of people and again, he puts before us a question that he, he puts before us throughout his whole gospel. How are we gonna respond to the work and person of Jesus Christ? So there's two groups. There's a group that reacts in unbelief and there's a group that reacts in belief. Which one are you gonna be part of? And, and if you choose to be part of the group that reacts in belief, This isn't just a one-time decision to respond to Jesus in belief. Hopefully you've heard this theme through through this journey through John. This is a daily decision. So that even even though you decided to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ, and your eternal destination is secure and decided in him, it's still a walking out and a deciding every day to believe in the reality of the death, resurrection, and glorification of Jesus Christ, and that that matters today. Are we going to be people who believe? And so John sets us up in this passage, I think, with, with two examples, uh, an example, specific examples of people who believe and people who don't. And on the, on the side of people who don't, he lifts up this example of Judas. And on the other side, it's easy to say, well, he lifted up this example of Mary, and it's Mary versus Judas. But we're, we're going to talk about that. But before we get to Mary's extravagant gift, And talk about that that tension between the example she set and the example Judas set. I I think what John sets up first is is the opposition of the example of Judas as unbelief. And not just Mary, but everyone there who was there to honor Jesus. She wasn't the only one that showed up to honor Jesus, right? So, So look back at this, the first few verses of what we read. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany where Lazarus was whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. They gave a dinner for Jesus there. This wasn't just any dinner. I think this was a dinner in celebration of what Jesus had done, that he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they said, Jesus' work is amazing, and we want to respond to that work, so we're going to come together and honor him and celebrate that. That's what they came together to do. Who was who they? It was probably a lot of his disciples, but at the very least, it was Mary and Martha and Lazarus. (laughs) Do you ever notice they're a package deal? Like like you never hear about Mary without hearing about Martha, and you never hear about Martha without hearing hearing about Mary, and you never hear about Lazarus without hearing about Martha and Mary. They're this package deal. They're they're this community of faith. Do you know we're called to be a package deal? (laughs) We talk a lot about in our faith, we can talk a lot about in a lot of our application from scriptures about my individual walk with Jesus, my individual response to Jesus, where is my heart with Jesus, and, and yet that's good, we're going to see that that's good, but there's more. In, in Jesus Christ, we are called to be a community of faith. In fact, in Jesus Christ, we're called to be a community that practices our faith together. And this is seen all throughout Scripture. You know, from the very beginning, God called to individuals, but he moved and called to himself people. So he, he called out to Abraham. And he called Abraham to come to a land that he didn't know. But it wasn't just about Abraham. Real quickly, we find out, this isn't just about that guy. This is about his family and his descendants. And really, it's about all the nations in the world. And God... The the exodus happens, right? People are trapped in Egypt, and God calls out not just one family, but a whole group, a whole race, a whole nation of millions of people. He calls out. And, And you can walk through the Old Testament and the Scripture and see that God calls individuals, and he works through individuals, but really he calls and invites a people to respond to himself, not just Individuals. And so when you respond to Jesus Christ, you are not just responding as yourself, you're joining a family of people, a community of people that's called to walk this out together. We see that in the New Testament because those who respond to Jesus Christ are, are then called brothers and sisters. They're called the body of Christ. One race, one nation, a special people called to his purposes. At the very end, all the way in Revelation, God says this is his picture His picture." of of once this is all over his picture his ideal is i will be not just your god i will be their god and they will be my people so we're, we're called to be a people who respond to Jesus Christ together and practice our faith together. And I see that that's what we're seeing here, even as they throw this dinner for Jesus. Before Mary responds, it's all of them responding and honoring Jesus Christ. And, and do we? Do we practice our faith in community? Because we, we talk a lot about practicing our faith individually, and we, we say, well, I've got to read my, how do I grow in Jesus Christ? I read my Bible and I pray and I journal and I meditate and I, I seek solitude and all of those are really good things. But, but there's more. All of those are really good things, but, but listen, they might not be enough. They're, they're definitely not God's full intention for us. His full intention is that we would be a community of people. I mean, is there anything that, that the last year and a half has shown us? If it hasn't shown us anything else, doesn't it show us that we don't do very good on our own? Like if I'm outside community, I'm not doing so hot. And they've done studies where actually over the last year and a half, what was the main, before 2020, what was the main block to Bible reading? Why don't you read your Bible more? Oh, I want to read my Bible more. I just don't have time. And then all of a sudden we had time. Do you know they've done studies Bible reading among individual adults dropped significantly in 2020, more than it had in one year than in the past previous decade combined. Why? Because we don't do so hot on our own. <laughs> because we, we can, now maybe, let me say this too. You know what else was, that's, that decreased. Bible reading decreased during 2020 and during the, the uh, pandemic. Do you know what increased? Use, well, Netflix, there you go. We'll go there first. Okay, I was going to get there anyway. <laughs> binging increased, right? Binging what we watch, binging what we eat, binging what we get involved in. You know what that's called? That, not, not all of it, but that's called gluttony. When we just indulge our appetites to an unhealthy degree, that's called gluttony. And, and that was on the increase. Drug abuse and addictions were on the increase. Alcohol abuse and addictions were on the increase. Depression and anxiety were on the increase. Use of pornography was on the increase. Now, now, those were studies they've done. Those were statistics. That was the story of some people's pandemic. Maybe that wasn't yours. I hope it wasn't. Praise God if it wasn't. But, but even if it wasn't, can't we all look back on our lives and see these seasons where, man, if nothing else, I lost focus on Jesus Christ. I stopped pressing forward. I got distracted. I was more prone to temptation. Why? How did I get to that place? Do you know how I get to that place? All by myself. I don't need anybody's help. I get to that place all by myself. And in fact, that's what happens when I'm all by myself. And and I wonder... Today, how many of us are walking all by ourselves and we need to take a step towards community today? Because that's what Jesus Christ invites to not just an individual relationship with Him, but a corporate relationship with Him. See, there's corporate disciplines, spiritual disciplines too. There's confession, there's authenticity, there's openness, there's testimony, there's guidance, there's worship and song. We can do that on our own, but we come to do it together too. There's diving into his word together and hearing the common voice of his people and the spirit move through his people. There's baptism. There's celebration, what they were doing right at this dinner. They they got together and they weren't in church. They weren't in the temple. They were just in somebody's house. They were having dinner. But it wasn't just any dinner. This wasn't like Lazarus' second birthday party. This was a dinner with Jesus at the center. When was the last time we had a dinner for no other reason than to put Jesus at the center. Where we didn't so much talk about sports and the latest political mess and, and whatever else was going on in our but we shared what was honestly going on in our lives and what God might be saying to us through that. When was the last time you had a dinner and you put Jesus at the center? See, this is the community of faith that we're invited to. So let me say this. Let me, if you're watching online, <laughs> hey, welcome. We are so glad you tuned in. And I gotta say this to you. I'm super jealous because you are sitting there maybe in your pajamas with a second cup of coffee. I would rather be with you right now. So I'm jealous, but let me also say this. I I hope that this morning and every Sunday morning encourages your faith. I, I hope that as we tune into Scripture and sing together that you're joining with us in spirit and that you walk away from this built up in your faith and closer to Jesus Christ. And let me say this. I... I hope this isn't the only communal expression of your faith. It's not intended to be. Like just a screen between you and us. And, and so I, I just want to invite you to step in, take a step closer towards community because you're loved and that's what Jesus calls you to. And, and now to take the pressure off all of you, <laughs> let, me, let me turn to everybody in the room. Isn't it good to be together? Yes. Yes. Like it is so good to gather in person together. <laughs> And it's not just what happens during this time. You all sitting there listening to, to me or us standing together and, and singing together. It's what happens before and after service, talking to each other, walking with each other, praying with each other. Hopefully that's happening for you. This is a place where that can happen. I see a lot of it happening for a lot of people. Now, let me, let me challenge us, too. <laughs> after the, the year and a half that we've just had or the two years that we've just walked through, it'd be real easy to show up on a Sunday morning and get fooled into thinking that this is the be-all and end-all of community. That I'm experiencing community in Jesus Christ just because I'm in a room full of people. I, I, hope, I hope that's not the end of our community. I know it's not the end of the community that he calls us to. So, so let me just say this to you, exactly what I said to everybody watching online. Don't let this be the full extent of walking out, practicing our faith in community. Don't let this be the be-all, end-all. If you maybe if you come and just come in, rate right it like nine five, and head out. Rate right as the last song's playing. Maybe just stay and linger a little longer. Introduce you somebody yourself to somebody. Give somebody else a chance to introduce you, introduce themselves to you. And maybe it's it's during the week. Join in a house church. Stepping out into community, we have things going on almost every night of the week that you could step into community. Men's ministry, women's ministry, life recovery on Tuesday nights. There there is community that can fit into your schedule. We even have Stephen's ministry. You don't like big groups? Reach out to walk with somebody one-on-one. But don't let this be the be-all and end-all of your community. Because you know where we end up by ourselves? We end up in a mess. Because God called us to celebrate community together. Here's one thing that can keep us from community. I, I know you can hear this, and you can say, yeah, but. Yeah, but community is messy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's painful. It's messy. I, I think all of us could say that it is, yeah. Just ask Mary and Martha, right? Right? I mean, the other time we see him uh, isn't a beautiful, shining dinner with Jesus at the center. It's another dinner where Jesus was supposed to be at the center, and, and, and he wasn't in every way. And Martha gets upset at Mary, and they're calling each other out on, uh, and stuff, and it just gets messy. I think all of us could identify that we've experienced pain in community, and that's something that can hold us back and say, you know what? I don't want to be part of that again. I don't want to be part of that at all, there's, there's people who have done that. I, I think Ayn Rand, she was a, she's author of a lot of different books and has, has quite a journey where she came to Jesus Christ after writing a lot of the books that she might be familiar with about vampire, vampires and all sorts of stuff. She came to Jesus Christ. But she came to a certain point, and I remember her posting online like, I'm, I'm done. I'm still following Jesus Christ, but I am done with any community of faith. Because she, why? Because she has, had experienced such pain. Now listen... Pastor Jeff says this all the time. Maybe, maybe you're here and you've shown up here and you've had hurt from your previous church. You've been disappointed by other community of believers and you haven't been yet here. Praise God, but just hang around a little longer. We'll, we'll disappoint you eventually. Why? Because we're just a community of broken people too. Pleading for Jesus Christ to change us, but he isn't done with us yet. So community is gonna be messy, So let me say this, if you're in that place and you just think community's painful and it's messy and it's not worth it, let me me say this, Jesus knows how you feel. He came down and walked in the flesh on this earth and he invited these men and women into relationship with him and he came to a certain point, the most desperate part of his life and they ran, every single one of them ran away and he just asked them, will you pray with me? As he was sweating blood, and they fell asleep. And he was the original one betrayed by the kiss of a friend. Jesus knows your pain. And in that pain, he can draw you closer to himself. And he walked in community anyway. In fact, He died and rose again. And even after walking through all that pain in community, you know what he did? He gave gave his people a mission. And do you know what it was? It was a communal mission. It wasn't come out and go out and fall in love with me. It wasn't just go out and read my word a little bit more. It was go out and make disciples. Go out and make disciples. It's a communal mission. We can't do that on our own. I can't make disciples without you. You can't make disciples without me. I can't become a disciple on my own. God gave us a communal mission. So let me say this, just don't give up. That's why his word says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Listen, even if it's not Sunday morning, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together because God intends that we would practice our faith in community together. there's There's another communal discipline that he gives us. A dinner with him at the center its communion. So, so if nothing else, I'm going to give you the opportunity now to experience, to practice our faith together as we have a dinner together with Jesus at the center. Much like they had a dinner with Jesus at the center in, in this passage of Scripture. If, if you, you should have gotten one of these when he came in if you didn't raise your hand. And some ushers, some folks will be around. So that you can join us in communion But see, this dinner, they had Jesus at the center, but the dinner meant more than they expected. Jesus saw it because Mary anoints him and he says, listen, she saved this from my burial and now's the time. This dinner means far more than you know. And and even the first lines of this passage, you know what it said? It said six days before the Passover. Now listen, just so we're aware of this time, this is not six days before any Passover. This is six days before the Passover passover. 6 days from now, Jesus Christ was going to give his life. 6 days before the Passover. So in 6 days from now after this dinner, every family in Israel, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go out to their flocks and they're going to get a lamb. They're going to get a lamb, a sheep or a, a, a goat lamb and they're going to they're, they're going to bring it out separated. Or or they're going to buy one from somebody else and they're going to take that lamb and they're going to examine it and inspect it and make sure the coat is pure white. And they're going to make sure there's no injury on it, nothing marring its skin. They're going to make sure it's spotless. Six days from now, that's what every family in Israel is going to be doing. Six days from now, Jesus is going to step out from the midst of a crowd on a platform in front of a crowd that hates him And he's been accused by liars and frauds, accused of wrongdoing. And he'll be inspected and examined by a really faulty judge. And yet, you know what? That judge is going to come forward and say, I find no fault in him. He's spotless. Six days from now, every family in Israel, when they take that lamb... They're going to pull it apart from their flock and separate it as an offering to God. Because there's a penalty and a price that must be paid for their sin. And they're going to take that pure, spotless lamb, and they're going to slaughter it. And as that's happening, six days from now, Jesus... The spotless Lamb of God will be whipped and beaten, and a crown of thorns pressed on his head, and a cross put on his shoulders. And the crowd is going to yell, Crucify him, and they don't know it. They're not setting apart him for an offering, but he is. He's setting himself apart for an offering to God. And God can examine his life, and do you know what God finds? He's spotless. The worthy lamb. The lamb of God, who's the offering and the price for our redemption. The lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And listen, that's what this blood, this this bread represents this morning. His body broken for you. The lamb of God broken for each. One of us, if you recognize, if you believe that that body was broken for you, let's take this bread with an awareness of what it means this morning. In six days from now, after those lambs are slaughtered, every family in Israel is going to take the blood of that lamb and they're going to put it on the top of the doorposts and on the sides of their doorposts. And, and what it is is it's a symbol, it's a memory of God's rescue of them. That back long ago in the original Passover, there was death and destruction headed for every single one of them. And yet in that day, in that evening of darkness, as the Lord saw the blood, not just on their neighbor's doorposts, not just on the doorposts of somebody else in the nation, but on their family's doorposts, as as the Lord saw the blood, he would pass over and destruction and death would not come to their house. And six days from now, Jesus would be hanging on that cross with wounds on his head, wounds on his hands, blood pouring out of them, out of his feet, out of his side. His blood poured out for every single one of us. So that whoever would believe, listen, whoever would recognize that this blood is not just poured out for them over there, this blood isn't just poured out just for a general, the world. This blood is poured out for me. I needed it on my doorposts. This is the only way to avoid destruction, the only way that death wasn't coming for me because of my rebellion against God, so that whoever would recognize that Jesus came to save them might have eternal life. That's what this juice represents. This is the blood of the new covenant. Jesus' blood poured out for us is the blood of the new covenant, so that we have a new relationship with God on terms not based on works, but on one work, his work, and it's finished. And we now are made right in his sight if we have claimed him and his blood for our doorposts. Let's take this now with an awareness of what it means Jesus we thank you for your sacrifice as we have so many times before many of us have sat through communion hundreds maybe thousands of times in our lives and we come today just turning our hearts to you and saying thank you you told us, Jesus, when you, when you put the bread before your disciples and broke it, when you, when you lifted the cup, you said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We do this today in remembrance of you. Jesus, we thank you so much that, that we are justified in your sight, not because of anything we have done, but because of what you have done. God, that, it, that you pursued us when we were still in rebellion against you. And you set a new covenant before us that any, whoever would believe, that that would willingly enter into this covenant, that we might have unhindered relationship with you again, God. We thank you, God, for this. We thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus. God, we're astounded by your love this morning. As we remember this, set our hearts in awe of you again. Let us remember this together with all. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Family of grace, would you stand to your feet? We're not done yet with God's word, but it's appropriate that we enter into song this morning in thanks and remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Let's lift him up together. So family of grace, you can have a seat again just for a few minutes. As we continue in God's word this morning, John now sets up these two examples, two acts he puts before us, two actions that are astounding, that are outrageous, that are shocking, that are unthinkable. And and the first one, well, we're going to look at the second one first. (laughs) So the second one is this, it's Judas. This is what he says right there in the, in the middle of that paragraph. You see, but Judas Iscariot, in the midst of this act of worship and adoration of Mary that we'll talk about, in the midst of this, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him. Let that sink in. I mean, we're so used to this story, we kind of forget how outrageous that is. Judas betrayed. He, he turned he turned rat on Jesus. How did that happen? Judas walked with Jesus. He did ministry with Jesus. He was among the 12 and the 70, and we're told they went out and they cast out demons in Jesus' name, healed people in Jesus' name. He had seen Jesus calm storms, walk across the water, feed thousands. He saw that Jesus was the Messiah with control over nature control over illness, control over death. He saw Lazarus walk out of the tomb. How could he betray Jesus? I I think one reason, well, so a few things. Scripture does tell us that at a certain point, Satan entered him. We're not going to talk a lot about that this morning, but that was part of it. There's two other things I want to mention, though. I think, I think one of the reasons Judas ended up traitor, you know how he ended up there? All by himself. Yeah. We've already talked about that, right? He, he was leading a double life. There was, there was a part of himself he didn't bring out into the light. Kept secret, the disciples were shocked. Jesus says somebody's going to betray him. They don't say, oh, I know it's Judas all along. They say, who, me? They, they just look at themselves and say, my, is my frailty, is my uncertainty, is, is, is my inconsistency finally going to turn traitor on the Savior that I love? So, so I, think, I think one of the reasons is he, he did it all by himself. Here's another reason John alludes to here Judas was about to betray Jesus, but not yet. He wasn't a traitor yet. It, He says this, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii given to the poor? He said this because not because he was a traitor and not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. See, before he was a traitor, he was a thief. You say, well, that's still pretty bold. I mean, you're stealing. That's not not just the church offering you're stealing from, right? I mean, that's like Jesus money that you're taking. That's still pretty bold. How did he get there? I think John tells us, and having charge of the money bag... Here's what, here's what happened. You know how he turned thief? He just used to help himself. No, no big deal. No big act. No dark day. He just, he just used to help himself. So there, were, there came a point in Judas' life where he, somewhere along the way, he just had this inclination to say, well, well, I'm the holder of the money bag, and I'm serving alongside with Jesus. Surely it's no big deal if I help myself a little bit. It's not, not going to hurt anybody. You know, I, I, maybe he left family to follow Jesus. Maybe he left a career to follow Jesus. We didn't know what he left to follow Jesus. At some point, he just said, you know what? I deserve a little more. I'm just going to help myself to this. How did he become traitor? I don't think it happened all in one fell swoop. I think it happened a choice at a time. A choice at a time, day by day, just to, just to help himself. Thankfully, that's not the only example John gives us. He gives us a, another astounding, unbelievable, unthinkable act. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. And, and, and thanks to Judas... Argument. We know how much that perfume was worth: 300 denarii. You know how much a denarii was? It was about what a uh, kind of a day laborer in that day made. Just your average worker, what he made in a day, that was one denarii. So let's look at it in today's terms. Today, minimum wage is 7.25. Seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Multiply that out for an eight-hour workday. I think they had longer workdays back then, but we'll say eight-hour workday. Multiply that by 300 workdays. You get over seventeen thousand dollars. This wasn't no fifty-dollar bottle of perfume. This is seventeen thousand dollars. Is it any wonder that somebody thought, "What is going on, Mary? Are you nuts?" We don't know where she got this money. It, it could have been a dowry, if she was unmarried. S- some commentators think it was her dowry. Others think it might have been an inheritance. So maybe she was married and it was an inheritance. And yet, can you imagine, not just given to the poor, can you imagine what she could have done with that? Tax day is coming. Mary, why don't you hold on to it for that? Your future, maybe if you're married, your children's future, why don't you hold on, on to it for that? You don't have to do this, Mary. But she did, that's, that's the point. Not only that, she, she anointed the feet of Jesus. The feet of Jesus, that's where we always find Mary, and that's the place of a slave. It's a place of of a slave at the feet of Jesus, and and she wiped his feet with her hair. Seems a little unusual to us, (laughs) a little weird. Those feet were probably dirty walking around in the dusty earth. It it was even worse than that, though. See, Jewish women wouldn't let their hair down in front of other men who weren't their husband. I, I mean, to do so was an act of dishonor. It was It was shameful. And so here she is, and she lets her hair down. And can you imagine the gasps in the room, Mary? What are you doing? You don't have to do that. Are you going to give up your honor, your reputation? you Are going to give up that? And she humbled herself. And at a certain point, yeah, they had the dinner to honor Jesus, but at a certain point, she said, the dinner's not enough. And she goes and gets her $17,000 bottle of ointment. And breaks it over Jesus' feet. And wipes it with her hair. Not to look good. Not to be admired. But because she adored Jesus Christ. How did she get to that point to make that choice? It's astounding. I, this is a guess on my part. But, but I think it's the same as Judas. Judas didn't get to his act In one fell swoop. I don't think Mary did either. I think it was Mary made one choice at a time, not to help herself, but to give herself up, to surrender herself at the feet of Jesus. Every time we see Mary, you know where she is? At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. No matter what she's thinking, what she's feeling, she's at the feet of Jesus. And I think a choice at a time, she was giving herself up. One choice at a time. So here's the obvious question for us what choice are we making? What choice are we making today? Are we making choices today just to help ourselves? That's what our culture would tell us to do. Just help yourself. Just go get what you need. Go get what you want. That's all you got to do in life is as much as you can grab for yourself. Take it. Just help yourself. Or or the other choice is to lay our lives down. I I mean, that's biblical. Do you know that? Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Paul, Paul says this. Uh, about, Jesus, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. We all want to know that, don't we? The power of his resurrection. How incredible would it be to know, to really know, experientially know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. See, there's more than one way to know Jesus. <laughs> We've called this whole journey knowing Jesus, right? how do i get to know jesus better and hopefully you've been guided in that right and we we get to know jesus a whole lot of ways all our individual disciplines get to know jesus through through bible reading and prayer and solitude and, and our communal disciplines by confession and testimony and baptism and communion and we're called to be even more than that. Like Mary, we're, we're called to be a community that sacrifices together. Does this mark us? Do, do these kind of choices, Mary's kind of choices, mark our living? Is, is there a choice we're making in our lives that everybody around us would look at and say, you're nuts. You're giving up that? Really, you're giving up that? Listen, Mary's choices made no sense. They were insane until you consider the person of Jesus Christ. That's the only, only way they made sense. Are there choices we're making in our lives that only make sense because of Jesus Christ? In response to him. So we have, do you know we live in a prosperous nation? We, we've been given so much and it's all gifts from God. God we've been given so much we have most of us don't have to worry about our next meal but we've been given you know we don't just have more money in this nation in this time than a lot of people throughout the world or throughout history we have more time we have conveniences everything from the microwave to the washing machine to the internet we have so much time We've been given so much. We have so much opportunity to enjoy God's gifts. That's his will for us. It's biblical to enjoy God's gifts. And do you know we have the greatest opportunity, greater than so many people throughout the world, greater than so many people throughout history, to sacrifice to Jesus, to give so much. And so I I would challenge us today, look at your schedule And and can we not just have a dinner with Jesus at the center? Can we have a schedule with Jesus at the center? Where I spend my time and there's choices that I make with my time. Yeah, there's things we have to do, but there's choices I make with my time that I don't make for any other reason because Jesus is who he is. That wouldn't make sense to anybody who doesn't know Jesus. Do I make choices with my money that don't make sense to anybody who doesn't know Jesus? Do I make choices with my life to put Jesus at the center of it all. Because that's where Mary was at. Listen, I'm not trying to shame or guilt us. Let me say this. (laughs) When I talk about a question like this, I'm preaching bolder than I'm living. Can I confess that to you? (laughs) I I, I look at my life and maybe there's some choices I could hold up. Well, maybe this, maybe this. I, I don't have choice to hold up that would flatten you that would astound you, that would make you all gasp. So I'm preaching bolder than I'm living. But listen, I look at Mary and I want to live bolder. Do you? Do you want to live more boldly? And listen, she, she didn't do it because she was shamed into it. She didn't do it because she felt guilty. She didn't do this because she shot, thought she should. She did this because she adored Jesus Christ. And that adoration took the place of every other adoration in her entire life. And so it didn't matter if she threw away her reputation. Didn't matter if she sacrificed a lot of money or a lot of time. Because what? He was worth it. And so if you look at your life today, I'm not telling you to go out and give away $17,000, unless, unless God would call you to that. But, but I'm calling us to say... Do I adore Jesus Christ like that? If, if you don't have a choice to point to in your life, maybe like me, we just need to sit at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, I don't adore you enough because you are worthy of all of this. All I have is a gift. All I have is an opportunity. And you are worthy of all of it. I want to invite us now to another moment where we worship in song. And and just to reflect on this, what would God call us to in this moment? What would God call us to of an extravagant laying down? And if I'm not motivated to do that, Jesus, help me fall more in love with you because you're worth it. The song we're about to sing, do you know it, it? It points forward to a scene in heaven when angels and elders are gathered around the throne of God. And do you know what some of the elders get? They get crowns. And people talk about these crowns that they get. And do you want to earn a crown when you're done with this life? That'd be incredible to have a crown. Do you know why it'd be incredible? Not because you'd look good in a crown, but because you get to do what the elders do. They lay it at the feet of their God because he's worthy of it. Let's lift him up together this morning. Just one more minute or two. I want, to, I want to walk through some next steps like we usually do. But I want to tell you the next. I, I know I usually do that at the end. I, I want to tell you the next steps, and then I want to tell you why. Why we would do that if you don't know already. So, so next steps for this coming week. Take a step toward community. Where can you deepen your connection with the body of Christ? whether that's a ministry here, whether that's a friend you haven't called in a while who follows Jesus too, whether that's staying a little longer after service, whether, whether that's attending something next in the coming week, ministry that takes place here on the hill, what step of community can you uh, take towards the body of Christ? And then this, how would Jesus lead us to sacrifice for him instead of helping ourselves? We live in a culture and you're going to walk out of here and there's going to be voice after voice after voice telling you go ahead, help yourself. Go ahead, just take it. It's fine. You need all of this. Where can we shut that voice down and listen to the voice of our God? God, I'm going to lay this down for you. Jesus, you're worthy of even this. Let's Let's contemplate that together this week. Do that in the community that you step into. And then continue reading in John 12 for next week. But, but let me point you to the, the why of this. Because we give these next steps. And I don't know about you, but I walk out of here and I think, wow, these next steps, they're going to they're gonna have impact on me. And, and they're going to have impact on my life. So that, that next week, and here's the hope, that next week, imagine this, you and me, we show up different people than we are today. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that's our guy can do that. And not only that. See the impact of this, these, and any other steps we take towards Christ and in faith, it's it's not just for us. Whether we know it or not, neither was Mary's step. Look back at this. I just I left this line. Mary took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. A, a pound of that stuff was a lot more than was needed for his feet. So in all likelihood, it wasn't just his feet, it was probably his head too. Maybe his arms. Maybe his legs. There was plenty of ointment there to anoint Jesus more fully than just his feet. And, and she wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I mean, she didn't do this to be noticed. She didn't do this for the impact it would have on others, and yet it had impact on others. The fragrance filled the house. That house was probably filled with the smells of baking bread and warm, sweaty bodies. What happens when we gather for dinner in a hot... Arabian heat, right? Israel heat. Uh, that house was filled with a lot of smells, and yet this smell, the, the, a musky, earthy scent of nard, just filled the place. And you can imagine conversations silencing and everybody turning to say, what's, what's the source of that good smell? See, Mary didn't know the impact it would have around her. And, and this, too, you know, later that week, again conjecture, and yet some commentators think, you know, the smell of something like this when you get anointed like this. It doesn't just go away when you wash once, when you take a shower. It, it lingers. It's like that, that powerful scent of essential oils. that the, the scent just lingers, and so this beautiful, musky scent lingered on Jesus. Over the next six days, possibly, as he walked triumphantly into Jerusalem for the last time, as he sat with his disciples and washed their feet, as he wrestled and sweat blood in the garden, as he was whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross, possibly this scent, among all the other scents of blood and gore and death, possibly this scent lingered with him of Mary's, the aroma of her worship. Talk about incense rising up to God, huh? And even greater impact than that. You know, John's gospel was written last of all the gospels. Most of the gospels were written within within 10, 20 years of Jesus dying and rising again. John's gospel, best date we can put on it is between 80 and 90 AD. John is writing this 50 years after the events. 50 years later, as he looks back on this, do you know how, how powerful a smell can be in your memory? 50 years later, and he can't look back on this, on Mary's act with that, without that scent coming back to him, that musky, earthy scent of nard and her act of extravagant worship to her Lord. And he just wants to share that with us. Listen, you had to be there, but this is the close I can get you. The house was filled with that aroma. She had no idea the impact of her choice. Neither do we. We're to be a community in Jesus Christ that has impact together. And it's not for the sake of having impact. My point today is this, that our impact, we don't even know what it's going to be. The impact of one choice, one step closer to Jesus Christ, we don't know what it's going to be. And yet God can work through that to have astounding impact. See, we talk all the time, we recognize all the time how devastating our bad choices can be and the impact they can have. Uh, of friends that can influence others badly, of addictions passed down generation to generation, you make these awful choices and there's consequences that extend far beyond impact, that extends far beyond what you knew. But listen, do you think evil is that powerful without our God being more powerful still? Without our God being more powerful still so that the choices that we make In his power and by his grace to walk one step closer into him, one more step in line with him can have impact, kingdom impact, beyond what we could ever imagine. So that friends, co-workers, family, generations might be transformed more in the image of Jesus Christ. This is who we're to be, a people of impact, far greater than we know. Just like Mary had far greater impact than she could have imagined. Here's the thing. When we come to this place, though, of recognizing Jesus' worth, of recognizing to offer it all to him, there's, there's two things we can think. We think, what does it matter? Like, what, if I, what does it matter today or, or, or this week if I make this little choice? I'm going to have next week to do the same. So what does it matter in the scheme of eternity? We have no idea. We just know God. God. Can further the impact far beyond what we know. Here, here's the other thing: when we see the incredible worth of Jesus, we can feel like everything we have to offer, what's well, just not much, is just not enough. Mary was this small town girl who, through the simple act of worship, we still recognize and celebrate and are inspired by today, because she offered just what she had at the moment. And here's what I want us to know. Like, an ordinary life offered to Jesus Christ is extraordinary. So, so listen to me. You might never have $17,000 to pour at the feet of Jesus. That's okay. You might never have an act that can be as extravagant or compare with what somebody else does. Listen, an ordinary life poured at the feet of Jesus is extraordinary. Will we pour it out to him, today let's walk as people of impact people God can use if we offer just what we have today to him would you stand to your feet grace fellowship church let's praise him one more time and all we're given in this is this moment you can't control yesterday you can't control tomorrow the only part you have a choice in right now is this moment let's offer this moment to our God and our king
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.